Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning. The following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example. Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the Lush But Not Lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 583. Once again, we delve into the world of classic films, in this case classic, sometimes merely successful films, and their misbegotten sequels, so this episode, you're in for a treat. Next episode, not so much. Welcome <laughs> to... I mean, maybe maybe you are. Maybe it's a garbage movie and it'll be a good episode. <laughs> well, the episode might be good, but the movie won't. Uh, welcome <laughs> to <laughs> Rosemary's Baby at your cervix. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, I haven't been waiting to tell that joke. It just popped into my head. So wow, wow. let's go. Let, uh, I guess you could say it, it just is. It's just now crowning. Um, <laughs> let's go around the virtual. These jokes are a little too, a little too real for Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you you're telling me. <laughs> so uh, let's go around the virtual table, and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick, shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Spreaker, Stitcher, wherever you get your your podcasts, you can find us. Uh, while you're there, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And of course, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, uh, like the page, join the group. We had lots of people chiming in last week on the episode, which was nice. And uh, answering my question about if you watch movies, watch the movies before you watch, listen to an episode or after. So that was nice to to see all that uh, feedback and interaction. So uh, you can also become a real honest-to-God League of Show Share member by sharing an episode. People who were kind enough to share an episode this week, uh, Julianne Jordan, Carl Clarkson, Griffin Fox-Smith, Librarian Cynthia, Chris Williams, Heather Sachs, Ron Johnson, Gabriel Lugo, John Friedman, Susan Carlson, Chris Magicman, Chris Sanders, Travis Tewitt, Tammy Sherman-Powers, Ralph Tribble, Jason Weesey, Lane Levanway, Brent Smith, Chris Falls, and amazingly, first time ever, new League of Show Share members. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Gus Boutique. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> I've only done, you know, how many of these things? And now he, yeah. Yeah. Way to chime in, old man. 500. He probably, he probably shared it and changed his privacy settings so that he could uh, comment on his love of Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not even sure he listens, to be honest. He didn't have to change his privacy settings because I am Facebook friends with your father. So Ooh. there. Oh, my God. Oh, good lord! Do you, that does not do bode re- well for report anybody. back and tattle on him when Joe says a naughty yeah. word. Yes, I just keep him up to date on your. Who do you think taught me the naughty words? <laughs> does your and the proper usage of them. does your father uh, when he's around uh, around your daughters and he needs to cuss? Does he cluck like a chicken? <laughs> no, no, no. He's it's a weird, rooster. right? Like he doesn't. So like that dude, his mouth. Like that's how I learned how to cuss. Like that's what it was. Doesn't say a word around the around the girls. I was like, all right, I see how it works. When, Fair when, enough. He, when you talk to Joe's dad, he seems like the sweetest, nicest person that would never like talk like that. Oh, <laughs> which is so funny that like it just seems so natural for Joe, and apparently he learned it for him. He's very good at covering <laughs> it up. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. <laughs> Uh, uh, also, uh, while we're in shameless plugs, don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month, you get all sorts of bonus content and, uh, you get the joy of helping out. It is joyful for us, maybe not for you, but, uh, but we appreciate it. So anyway, uh, there's all that. The movie of the week is, uh, or one of the two movies, the franchise of the week is Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> we should start by at least weird, addressing weird franchise. Yeah. We should at least start by addressing the, uh, the underaged, uh, sexually assaulted elephant in the room, which is... You know, it's a shame that he wasn't in the house when the Manson family attacked. That's all I have to say. <laughs> he is uh, Roman Polanski, who ha- was charged with uh, the rape of a 13-year-old girl, pled guilty to it. It's not like a did he kind of a thing. It's like, no, he had sex with a, no, he did. He had sex with a 13-year-old girl. He's a piece of garbage. Uh, the Academy just last year kicked him out. Last year, 2019, yeah. kicked him out. And they nominated him, right? Like that he would He's get nominated won, all the time. Oh, well, sure. He gets nominated all the time. So he won an Oscar for The Pianist in the, what was in the early 2000s. Yeah. So, uh, well, for some he, reason. He, he won that well past that being public knowledge. Like, it's not yeah. like. I, th- I feel like collectively as a society, when someone com- does something that atrocious, like we've we almost kind of it, historically and maybe this is shifting, but we've kind of put a, a marker in time of like, well, the stuff that they worked on before that is different than the, maybe the stuff they worked on after that. Um yeah. Right. It, so it was past Chinatown. So, you know, you don't have to come for Chinatown, or at least you can kind of rationalize that, like Rosemary's yeah. Baby, Chinatown, some of those great movies. Okay. They happened before any crime. So, like Tom said, if you're going to rationalize, whatever. But 1977, that is when he committed this atrocious crime, which there's no mm-hmm. coming back from that. And Hollywood has continued to support him work with him and it's disgusting so i just i mean go look at the list of people who have chosen to work with him i mean uh he's he's got movies uh in 2019 with actors that surely a lot of us are fans of uh you know and maybe depending on whether or not you know about this and you know maybe you do and maybe you know you just separate i I I feel like you i feel like you know this isn't this isn't this isn't like a uh, dark web secret. Like, no, this I is, mean, this... I mean the actors. Though it's like, oh, it's oh, like, oh. I mean, maybe, maybe you already know that they worked with them. Maybe you don't understand that uh, that they worked with them or whatever. But like Sam Rockwell and uh, Edward Norton just did a movie called An Officer and a Spy in 2019. 
with yeah. charged, I can't say convicted, and only not convicted. No, he's ch- he's charged he's, and confessed. But he's not convicted because he fled the country and has been an enemy of the state <laughs> since uh, 1977. So he can you know he can't even come back to the country because he would be thrown in jail. So, uh, but but you know they just worked with him last year, and so I, I don't know why Hollywood continues to support him and work with him. But like when he won the Oscar, Gee, could it for, be because they all might do similar things and just haven't been caught? Oh, well, I mean, I can't, can't speak for all of them. I'm sure there are definitely, I mean, we've, we found out uh, recently. I mean, if you look at the Weinstein stuff, I mean, there's a lot of sick stuff going on. Yeah. But uh, when he just won the Oscar for the pianist, was that like 2003? 2000. No, that was 2000, wasn't it? 2000? Uh, 2002. Uh, 2002. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Uh, you know, and you see, uh, you know, Meryl Streep, giving him a standing applause and you know he's not in the country but they you know they announce his name and a picture of him because of course he can't be there and they're all giving a standing applause it's just disgusting knowing that it's like yeah uh 30 or 20 years earlier 20 something years earlier it's like he had sex with a 13 year old girl that's gross yeah Yeah. i mean as recently as 2010 he made ghost rider with uh, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGreg- Nicholas Cage with Nicholas Cage, Ewan, no, <laughs> no, Ghost oh. Writer, uh, with Ewan oh, oh, McGregor, oh, Pierce Brosnan, Kim Cattrall. I believe uh, uh, John Barenthal's in that for a scene as well. And then what in 2011 <laughs> he made Carnage, yeah, Car- Carnage stars John C. Riley, Christoph Waltz, Kate Winslet, and Jodie Foster. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. So that's, I mean it's like it's it's just gross. It's Why? problematic. What I mean, okay. He made some good movies. I mean, these are. I mean, we're going to get into one. He made some critically acclaimed movies that are considered some great, great films. But it's like you want to work with them so bad that you'll just throw away your morals. I, I, I don't get it. No, I agree. I, I don't have an answer. It definitely makes me lose respect for these people. I mean, people. I mean, these names that we're reading are actors that I admire. I think they're great actors. A lot of them, I, I'm a fan of. But when they make that choice, you know, I don't know. I don't think there's anything they could really say that, like, you know, I'm. I'm. What I'm saying is, I draw the line at working with them. Like, why would you do that? And no matter what they say, I don't think there's an excuse for that. I. It's. Yeah, it's, I know. No, there isn't. I know. It's it's, uh, I know. For a long time, there was a narrative about. Uh, that like he fled the country because he had he had pled guilty and he had a deal in place and then they they rescinded the deal. There was an HBO documentary that they made that was like you watch the documentary and you're just like, wow, this guy really got a raw deal. And then like and I don't think it's available for viewing anymore because I think like a week after it came out, it was almost entirely debunked as complete BS. They were like, here's the so <laughs> oh. much. They were, because I remember watching it and being like, oh my God, this guy really, like, he did well, something bad, but, like, he was trying to make amends and he got a bad, and he really got screwed by the system. And then, like, I read this, like, really long article. I don't know where it was, at, but it was, like, Vanity Fair length style article. Like, just kind of, like, <laughs> picking it apart point by point, and you're just like, whoa. And then HBO was like, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and pull that. And I don't know if it's back up or not. I never <laughs> circled back around to look for it because at that point I was just like, well, who cares? I mean, well, of course, who cares Hollywood in terms of hearing clear, his defense? <laughs> clear. They want to work with him, so of right. course they're going to try to spin it. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing. It's like I don't care what they tried to do to get him. It's like, yeah, he he's a, a fugitive of the country. You want to promise him some kind of a deal if he comes back? Yeah, lie to him. I don't care. Well, that yeah, get him back get, in the country and put him, put, a, put him in jail. Exactly. It's like I don't I don't care about that at all. I don't feel sorry for him. I mean, he needs to he he's been gone now for 40 years. Like he needs to 
I mean, he's never made amends. He's never paid for his crimes. He's never done the jail time, um, you know, and, and now it's obviously too late. I mean, he's 86 years old. I mean, if he, cool. how long does he, does he have? I'm just saying, who if cares he, if he did come back? Oh, what? He's going to spend a couple, he'd probably spend a year in jail, get coronavirus and die. I mean, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying though, it's like he should have, I'm not seeing a downside, but here. he should have been in jail since 1977. And at least I don't know how long the charge would have been, but whatever. Back then he's, he's, he's a white guy in Hollywood. Yeah. Back then the charges on something like this you would know? have been like six months. <laughs> I mean, they would have. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, you know, or, or they would, you know, here's the thing is six I know months. And like, why would you flee the country <laughs> to do it and and clear at least do the time? And, you know, well, and I might be, Either way. I might be overstating, but it would, it would not have been a 20 year sentence back then. I don't think. Okay. I mean, you'd have a hard okay. time getting no. a 20 year sentence now. It's, it's, it's not the system. Even though we've made strides, it still doesn't, uh, treat sexual assault victims all that kindly gotcha especially when you have deep pockets and and really good lawyers like yeah it's weird how people kind of uh as much crap as once upon a time in hollywood got for the bruce lee portrayal like there was also kind of an underlying current of how he portrayed roman polanski but it's like he in the context of that story like he wasn't there you know, like he's not. Oh, and I didn't. He, I didn't hear anyone. There was uh, a little bit of like because there was a little he bit. wasn't like made into like a monster. Yeah, he was just kind of like this dopey little. Uh, oh, but yeah, at that time. But again, like he was yeah. gone, and if like the one, the one scene, right? And the one scene that he has is him sitting outside drinking a cup of coffee, throwing a like a ball to a dog. Right. Like, like what, are you, <laughs> what are you mad about? I don't understand. Like, what he are you going to do? You know? Have him be? Yeah, look at throwing a ball to a dog and sure, then looking the, at a photo the, of a thirteen-year-old. Right. I mean, what are you? Gonna... Or, or he's in the house, right? Like that's the twist at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is he's in the house too? I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. it's like you know what? what are if, you you're, gonna do? if you're going to change history, it might have been kind of nice <laughs> yeah, to have right. him. Be... <laughs> Let them pull his guts out. Yeah. But uh, so, so anyway, so, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, we, we just want to condone. acknowledge the fact that we know that the the <laughs> yeah. director of this film is is problematic, and we don't just want to gloss over that. But uh, the film pre predates all that, and and there's yep. also the element of like there's a lot of very talented people that do wonderful work in this film. That's also part of the problem when when you start targeting pe- people who have who have uh, done extremely. Uh, illegal wrong immoral things in something like filmdom is is that but what about all the other people that are involved in the project that now their work can't be seen or their livelihood is dismissed because of it's 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 a very difficult situation to to try and navigate that this is your this is your wrestling corner it's it's the chris benoit problem right like chris benoit has an awful ending to his story it's terrible it's probably it's it might be one of the worst in sports, but everything, you know, people are just like, well, he should be in the Hall of Fame based on his in-ring work. It's like, yeah, well, that's fine. And you can go and the network doesn't edit any of his stuff out. Like you can go watch a Chris Benoit match if you want. But at the end of the day, he murdered his wife and child. That yeah, he's is not it. going in the Hall of Fame. No, like you, post that. I mean, right. that's. That's the thing. So, and to clarify, and, and we didn't explicitly say this, but what what we're saying is that 
we're not going to go back and try to erase history. We're not going to go back and try to pull this movie from streaming service. And we're not going to try to erase this movie and all that. But it's the decision to work with him going forward, which is is very frustrating and confusing. It's like, so yeah, people made this movie and maybe they have residuals and they did great work in this movie and it was pre any crime. So it's like, yeah, don't erase history. But it's like, when the pianist comes out in 2002 and people have known about this for 22 years or 24 years or whatever, the math adds up on the dates and then you continue to work with them and then they give them an Oscar and right. you know, it's just like, how, how do you justify that? And I, again, I don't even care. I don't want to hear it, but you know, it's more you, rhetorical. You know, the thing is, is that if memory serves the year that he won the Oscar and that, you know, they gave him a standing ovation and, 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 and you yeah. saw all of Hollywood applauding this guy was the same year that they they had some sort of like uh, there was maybe it was the Cecil Mead DeMille Award or whatever that they give away. But it, it went mm-hmm. to if memory serves Elia Kazan, who uh, was basically he named names to the House on American Activities Commission committee during the McCarthy era and mm. uh and then after the public opinion of that kind of flipped he really had difficulty working again and Hollywood turned on him and like every like the the good chunk of the room just like sat in stony silence when when they were wow. addressing him and then and which I understand the frust- the anger towards him, but then turned around and applauded Polanski. So it's it it's right. very problematic. So anyway, enough of all that. We just want to put it out there that we are aware <laughs> of it. And we're not trying to just pretend like it wasn't a thing. So now let's actually talk about the movie itself, Rosemary's Baby. I have not seen this in I mean decades. I I've I don't really usually I don't usually go back and watch this movie. Uh, and it's crazy to see how close this is to both of Ari Aster's movies. Like, so Hereditary and Midsommar, there's a lot of similarities between those two and this. Where well, those it's are like, slow burns, just like... They are. He takes that format to where it's creepy, and there's a lot of, like, unnerving things, but it's not jump scares. It's not the, no. it's not the classic type of horror where it's just trying to scare you constantly, but you are uneasy by things. And yeah. that's that's why, you know, when I saw those movies, and I... I I've seen this movie before, you know, a, a while back, but I came to it later. It's not like I watched it when I was 10, but when I eventually watched this movie, um, you know, I really appreciated how that slow burn, how it was like, it's such a good film. And, mm-hmm. and even if you're not a horror person, because I don't know that this is, I mean, I it's, guess it's, it's one of those ones that walks that line. Yeah. Horror thriller. You know, suspense, I guess when you're having the, sex yeah. with the devil, that kind of, yeah, we'll give it into the horror world. Yeah. <laughs> Given that it all hinges around like a satanic cult that's trying to bring forth the devil in physical form, it's hard not to label it as a horror movie, but right. it doesn't use a lot of the elements that you would traditionally associate with horror. There's not much in the way of gore or jump scares or, uh, you know. There's one really good jump scare in this movie that is so effective because it's on- it's the only one. Yeah. But so, you know, but yeah, but it's uh, but yeah, like, but it, but boy, it, it it really does hold up and I think work even with a modern sensibility. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. more in that realm of art house horror than like if you're coming at it with a with a Blumhouse mindset, you might be disappointed. But but uh, but if but yeah, I mean, 
it's weird to say if you like Hereditary or Midsommar, you'll like this because those are clearly influenced by it. But like this, this it, sometimes you watch an older movie and you almost have to be like, well, they they pace things differently, things felt different then. Like you gotta kind of like put it in histor- historical context and make some apologies for for the tone or pacing of the film. And I don't feel like you do at all with this one. No, no. It, it moves at a good clip. There's there is pacing, but it's so well done that it yeah. doesn't feel like pacing. Uh, and what I mean by what I mean by the hereditary thing is the idea that your main character, everybody that your main character thinks is on their side, is not on their side. <laughs> like every single person that Rosemary encounters in this movie, except for her 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 close friends are part of this thing. Yeah. Well, like yeah. They, I mean, hereditary, especially, I mean, it, the pacing and stuff. Yeah. You can liken, especially with Midsommar, but I mean, hereditary, it, it, I don't want to really spoil that movie, but if you're watching no, I'm this not, movie, no. yeah. but it, it, I'm just saying hereditary ends up where you're just like, Oh yeah. Rosemary's <laughs> yeah, baby is a clear right. influence. On this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So this movie opens up with uh, Rosemary and guy, uh, Mia Farrow and, um, John Cassavetes, which I was like, oh, yeah, I this is a guy like he was a massive actor that. N- oh, yeah. I always forget about and filmmaker. Yeah. He, he did you ever see he does. He talked about uh, working with the guys at Canon. And he's like, I love, you know, Canon is like the I don't even know how to describe them like the the shysters. If they can if you can use that term, I don't know. Can you use that term? I don't know. What do you mean? Is that enough? So, like, Canon, the two guys that ran Canon Films were just, like, were, uh, what's the word? Like, they would pull stuff. They made really bad movies. Really bad movies. <laughs> and, like, Superman 4 is a Canon feature. Right. Masters of the Universe. Um, Breaking. Inv- you know, Break, yeah. Breaking 2, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So, but they... Get, they had John Cassavetes, who at that point I think had kind of not done anything of note, but they just gave him all this money and let him have creative freedom. And he was like, I loved it. I loved working for them. Like they were amazing to work for because he got to do whatever he wanted because he was John Cassavetes. Mm-hmm. But they would usually give these guys, like Superman 4 had a shoestring budget, and you're trying to do a Superman movie on a shoestring, it just doesn't work. So, like, the, if you ever That's see. So weird. <laughs> go see Electric Boogaloo the story of canon films it is mm. astounding to watch like how that studio became a thing like they had the rights to spider-man at one point and we're gonna make a spider-man movie with toby hooper mm. uh, yeah i don't know well, it was, but yeah so like he worked for them towards the end of his career i think and if the name sounds familiar and you don't know john cassavetti's work you probably know the work of his son nick cassavetti's who directed the notebook which is what really put him on the map yeah uh, yeah, so they, they, I don't know if, it, would you say, Tom, that he's a struggling actor or just like a working actor? You mean the character or John Cassavetes? I mean the character, I mean the character guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I took it as he's, a, uh, like a working actor, but like, he's not quite there yet. You know what I mean? He's doing and, commercials. Okay. Yeah. And, and like he's a couple trying Broadway to get Broadway's plays. understudy. He's an understudy though. So he's not quite the well, the right guy, he's still <laughs> yeah he's still searching for his big break yeah and, and rosemary is just kind of this lovely woman like she's sweet and she's funny right. 
Uh, and they decide to rent this apartment that uh, this old woman died in. And it it's still fully furnished, which is like your first sign that something is wrong because <laughs> the apartment is still everything's still in there. And they've got like it's it's such a smart move in a in a horror movie to like leave clues throughout the movie that will come back around later. So like when they are walking through the apartment, they find uh, like an herb garden. Oh, hey, hold on one second. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Knock it off! We'll see if that worked. <laughs> I'm talking here. <laughs> that was dad and cop voice at the same time. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, so there's just there's all of these clues throughout the apartment that something isn't right. So they go into and they find the uh, uh, like the room full of herbs. And it's like initially you're just like, okay, she was just an old lady who had an herb garden. But as we go forward in the movie, it's like, oh, she didn't yeah. just have an herb garden. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Like this movie, like, like it really like that. This script works so well just in terms of like everything f- meshes together so beautifully. Well, and yes. you also so this was uh written by Roland Polanski but adapted by the book by Ira Levin and apparently uh Polanski didn't know that you could make changes when you adapt right. a book yeah. and so like <laughs> I literally read that which sounds odd but like apparently is extremely close to the book so at least we can give credit to Ira Levin for planting all these details because yeah and and Ira Levin is written I mean he's written yeah. some great books so he wrote he he wrote this one obviously he wrote Boys from Brazil he wrote the Stepford Wives. He wrote uh, a a a crime thriller called A Kiss Before Dying, which is so good, so so good. And uh, and and so I mean, he's written a a lot of stuff that's been adapted into big movies. He wrote and Death Trap. Were, the yeah, play. that's right. He wrote Death Trap too. Yeah, and um, but yeah, like it's it's funny. Like I guess this was uh, Polanski's first American film, so he had no oh, idea. Wow. That when you were adapting a book that <laughs> like you that the director could kind of call the shot. So he was like uh, faithfully he was hyper. <laughs> yeah. Hyper. Like there's a point where uh, in the book guy mentions wanting to buy a certain shirt that is mentioned in the New Yorker. Okay. And Polanski like went through back <laughs> issues trying to find the ad so he could buy the right shirt for him to wear. Oh, wow. And. And Levin was like, it doesn't exist. He's like, I just assumed that like any issue of the New Yorker would have an ad for shirts. So like I I'm totally winging it. Oh, that's funny. I would like to know how much time he spent on that. And then I would like to laugh at him for it because he deserves yes, it for wasting. Your, you well, know, yeah, I, mean, that I think I, think most I have of the, this book. Most of the dialogue is in the movie is verbatim from the book you know you can tell there's there is a there's a way that things read compared to like a movie script that there's it sometimes it doesn't work and i think there's that happens in this movie like when the when the realtor is explaining the apartment yeah it feels a little weird and I and I think it's it you're not wrong, but I think ultimately it ends up serving the movie well because it's just from Jump Street, 
it's just off kilter. Just yeah. everything yep. is off kilter. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helps create this kind of weird discombobulated world. It also explains why the original cut of this movie was over four hours long. Good lord. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't need I don't yeah. need it's like it's like the director's cut of Midsummer. I don't need to see it. But so, so like, uh, but to your point, Joe. So they they find like they go by a closet, but it's covered with like a, a cabinet or whatever. Or right, it, right. They're like, oh wait, there's a closet behind this. Why is this in front of a closet? There's something weird going on here. And they see like dr- the marks on the ground. So they pull it back, and and they can open up the closet. There's it. There's nothing seemingly wrong there. But later on, we find out that there was. Something going on. There. There's something wrong there. <laughs> yeah, right. I want to say one quick thing about the apartment before we move on. Yeah. This is my version of Wrestling Corner. Oh, Trying yeah. to find my own sound effect. That's a groovy button. What does it say? Save the Texas Prairie Chicken. This apartment is... Uh, um, do you remember in the movie Head with the monkeys? Yeah. When they have that birthday party and it gets really weird and like... They're throwing a birthday party for Mike, and then at the end he's like, and the same thing goes for Christmas, too. And they, yeah. I think it's the musical scene where they do Can You Dig It? And um, that is filmed on this set. They used, the, these movies were filmed at the same time, and, and uh, oh, wow. they used the, the Rosemary's Baby apartment <laughs> set for that particular scene. I was going to ask if this was a set or this is a real apartment. So it's the exteriors are a real apartment okay and and uh um but they but that apartment would not let them film inside so the interiors uh, are a set okay. the exteriors it's a real apartment it's a very famous apartment actually in new york city called the dakota and um and it 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 has lots of like very 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 famous people have lived in the dakota over the years so it's like lauren bacall and connie chung and and uh uh, Maury Povich, Judy, Judy Garland, uh, John Lennon. So presumably Yoko Ono, John Madden lived there. Joe Namath, uh, Brad Hyen, librarian. <laughs> no, I'm stealing that. So I forget who it was. Somebody said last week when I was rattling off the band members in in the Blues Brothers 2000 Battle of the Bands thing, they said it sounded like the Louis <laughs> Show Series, and That's I funny. thought that was great. So I totally stole your joke, and I apologize. But. Uh, but yeah, Joe Namath, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Jack Palance, William Inge, who wrote Picnic and Bus Stop, Gilda Radner. But yeah, Mari Povich. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of famous people. I figure if in Connie Chung lived there, that would just kind of go with Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. In the same way Yoko, Luna, Yoko Ono, John exactly. Lennon, Yeah. So their life is pretty normal. There's also, John Cassavetes isn't nice throughout this. Ent- I mean, when we get to the thing, it's like, of course, but like. He he's never uh, nice to her. He's always very dismissive and um, kind of humdrum about his own career where Mia Farrow is trying to keep this thing going. So like she's painting, she's helping paint the apartment and they're getting furniture and she's decorating and he comes home like, oh, duh, I suck. And I like so. I also feel like it's kind of a product of the time, though. I just feel like this is how the American husband was portrayed. It was like he's off to work and trying to do his thing, and he comes home and expects his dinner. And, you know, I feel it's it's weird. It's sometimes it's difficult to give this movie credit, given what 
Polanski would go on to do. Sure. Um, but um, the movie has definitely kind of, I think, a feminist undertone to it in terms of like how poorly this woman is treated, not just from like a satanic rape cult standpoint, <laughs> obviously, but um, but uh, but like. Everyone around her is so dismissive of of her knowledge and her feelings. And like even like when she goes to the doctor for her pregnancy and she's like, well, I feel this way. No, you don't. Here, take this. Yeah. It's like no one ever gives her opinion about what's going on with herself any degree of credibility at, at, at any point in this movie. And I don't I don't know if it was is maddening to watch then as it was now, but like it's people super are just, frustrating. <laughs> people are so dismissive of this woman, like from the get go of it's just like, well, you're just over there to, and, and maybe that's the, some of the through line they're trying to draw that maybe society isn't so different than the satanic cult because they're both just like, well, you're just here to pop out the baby. You're in it means to an end. So just you know, know your role. Another wrestling, yeah, wrestling yeah, 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 that's very good. But yeah, it, it's it's frustrating because, like Joe set up, Rosemary is such a sweet, nice woman, and she has to deal with all this crap. And people aren't nice, and you know, even her doctor, uh, played by a very young Charles Grodin. Uh, well, that's the that's the doc, that's the doctor she should have seen, right? Sapper's, her doctor, well, that's like the, the, the yeah. original, yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, but he's not. Well, no, Charles. Hang on, Charles Grodin doesn't play her OBGYN. He plays her. He just isn't he a psychiatrist? No, no, is, she's she. He, oh, is that who he was supposed to be? I yeah. thought she was going to see like a psychologist. Uh-uh. Oh, okay, I misunderstood. Oh, I, okay. I, yeah, maybe, and I don't want to say like that. I didn't. Un- maybe I misunderstood too. Yeah. I knew he was one of her doctors. No, because he's there. She, she's the first when she gets pregnant the first time. Well, the first time she finds out she's pregnant, yeah. she's talking to him That's because her I friends, it. her friends yeah. recommended him. Yeah, and then when all hell breaks loose, they're they okay. The, yeah, the high society, quote unquote, which is another fantastic movie. If you've never seen that, um, they kind of say go to Saperstein, and then so she leaves the heard the doctor she wanted and goes to see Saperstein. And it's very confusing as a uh, as a fan of pop culture who's weird who has weird things stick in his head because Abe Saperstein spelled differently. But is also the name of the original owner of the Harlem Globetrotters. So <laughs> yeah, maybe with, that's a red flag for the. Do yeah. with that what you will. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this was Charles Grodin's like first. This was his breakout role up to the like he, up to this point. He had just been like, you know, one or two lines in a movie. Or I a, forgot he extra. was in it. Well. I did too. Apparently, he came to visit the set, um, and that's where uh, Polanski. Uh, hired him on the spot like he was doing a set visit and uh, I think he was like he was he was dressed up as a cowboy yeah he was dressed up as a cowboy (laughs) like how weird that is like to come visit a set in New York and and uh, you know I don't know if it was like an exterior or what what the set was which one but he visits him all dressed up and uh, Polanski he had sketched out uh, characters of what everybody in the movie like to cast them he had the picture in his head so he didn't just see random people and go oh yeah you're that type like he drew every character out and so Charles Grodin was one that didn't match the picture that he had in his head but when he saw him he's like oh yeah that's that's what I had in mind so he just went ahead and cast him like that That's funny. and apparently every major role that he hand drew they they found an actor that looked like it even like with like Ralph Bellamy and like the name actors it was still like yeah. huh. that's yeah 
He's like, these and are the people really, I want to draw pictures of them and hope we get them. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only major concession to the to the following the book is that uh, Minnie, the Ruth Gordon character, and the book is midwestern and has a very thick midwestern accent. She's got a she's Ruth, got a thick accent, all right. Yeah, she's got a thick accent, all right. <laughs> so let's talk about these neighbors. So they they move in and they're introduced to their their the apartment that backs up to their wall or whatever on the other side of their wall is these two very bored <laughs> you know what they think yeah. of like two old bored neighbors that have nothing better to do than to like just knock on their door constantly like hey we're not interrupting anything are we and like you know try this dessert and do this and you know just so okay so here before we get into yeah. so I, does she meet the girl that's living with them first so she meet they meet them first and then she meets the no, girl they living meet, with they them in the, the basement. They meet the girl first when she's they doing do. her laundry. She meets the girl. Right, 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 right. So okay, and they plant the so necklace say, and everything. Yeah. So what? Where did that girl? What was that girl's tie? That's where I got. I could not figure. They that were out. trying to have her have the baby. They were trying and to have she her killed herself. Yes, they threw her out the window. She, no, she killed herself because she figured it out. There's a well. I I don't know that that's exactly clear really? like I, there's a lot of back and forth i think among people about did this woman kill herself or did she want to bail and and they had her killed um and just made it look like a suicide that's true but either way though they clearly like you can see that they set up rosemary with the same stuff with the necklace with the herbs yes. they're keeping her around i mean yeah. it, she would they were grooming her before rosemary okay and then for whatever reason either she figured it out or she just wanted to bail and they needed to cut ties or whatever but like they took care of her made it look like a suicide or it was a suicide and then they needed a new surrogate so that's where rosemary comes in okay that makes sense that's where i was confused i was like why did what are we doing here yeah but but it, i mean again like with the with the writing you know and, and credit to ira levin like setting it up with the writing and everything so we're introduced with that necklace you know that has the right, quote unquote, right. tannis the root tannis uh root. that that no one's ever heard of because it is a made-up thing yeah but, it's not a thing <laughs> but uh they you know but in this for the purposes of the movie it's this say this mad magical witch-like property or whatever but uh you know they set all that up here which is really cool because you you get that through line of like oh it smells bad and everyone's like what is that tannis root i've never heard of that and and so you, and ta- you can see I, how she's tannis root is such a great thing because it totally sounds like a thing like oh, it yeah. does you yeah know, absolutely. It, <laughs> it just sounds like a thing that you've never heard of but it totally yeah. sounds real like it and that's a difficult thing to do to create yeah. something that is like like sounds like it's of this world that you just maybe have never heard of. Like I just I that that was such a a nice touch. I think right. there's a I think there was a podcast called Tannis that got picked up by like Amazon Prime, hmm. and they made it into a TV show where they would like and it was just like stories. Like that's it was just like creepy stories and like I think I'm almost positive that's what it was. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, we meet so, the neighbors after yes. she jumps. They they find the police are there outside the apartment and they start questioning rosemary about who this this woman is and and she says oh you got to find the people they live with and this is where we meet the neighbors and it's very creepy like the neighbors are like like tom said they're very bored and the kind of uh just old like high society money uh you know weirdos is the best yeah. way to describe it the the husband is not as weird as the wife 
Well, seemingly. I, I mean, mean, seemingly, yeah, on the uh, surface, right? Initial so meeting, they're not as weird. It's it's Minnie and Roman Castavet. And I always found it funny that, like, I'm like, Castavet, that sounds so close to Cassavetes. <laughs> like, it's just so strange that they chose a name. Or, I mean, they cast actors, like... I don't know. It's just, it's strange that it ends up, but anyway, for whatever reason, um, but there are these neighbors that if you're a young couple that is trying to start a family and you've got a career and you're busy with doing your own stuff, you don't want the neighbors that are going to constantly just, no. they they're, they don't have any work to do. They have nothing to do. They're going to come <laughs> over and try to in, uh, invite themselves to dinner and, and get into your business and all that. So these, have, these become those type of neighbors and they just think they're really annoying people. <laughs> And well, that's so they yes, you're right. Uh, and we also hear at one point um, when Rosemary and Guy are sleeping, they hear chanting and it's like, nope, time to get. Nope. No, nope, I've seen. <laughs> nope, Get out. Get out now. Um, I mean, that's the thing. They're the apartment that's connected to theirs, like on the other side of the wall. So, yeah. They share you know, a wall, I when guess. When they hear some weird stuff going on, it's like, well, it must be coming from there. But then it's like, oh, there's just these two old bored people. Like, well, it must not be them. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're right. There's more of them. It's just not the yeah. two of them. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, Guy is going on auditions and he loses this part uh, to a guy. And they, I think they get invited over to dinner to with uh, Roman and Minnie. And... There's a there's one you know it's one of those I forgot I forget I know I, I I have let on that I know what I'm talking about when I have to recap a movie but if I haven't seen one in like 20 years there I forget things <laughs> so when you get to the scene where Guy and Roman are sitting on the couch talking to like you don't know what they're saying but it's like this is it like that's the moment where Rosemary is effed yeah they draw him in right yeah. they and and it's I mean it doesn't take long. Like, I I have to assume that he's like, I'll give you your career if you give me her. And he was like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Where do I sign? Like, it was. (laughs) Well, that's what's always interesting. Like, I think I've only seen this once or twice before ever. So it's interesting watching it again, completely knowing what's going on because you pick up on all those little things. Like certainly the first time I watched it, I'm not thinking there's anything weird about guy, you know, until it becomes sure, apparent. Right. Right. But you're not, but now you're watching it and you're like, Oh God. He's yeah. He's, he's bad from the, from the jump. I guess tech technically Kevin, he does not become a parent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's fascinating to watch and, and it really holds up on a rewatch because Everything that this movie does, it does in front of you. You mm-hmm. just don't. I mean, it's like a magic trick. You know what I mean? It, it, it is. I and if you don't, the, if you yeah. don't know, if you don't know what this movie is, if you go, it, and I feel like it's impossible at this point to go into sure. this movie blind. Yeah. But I can only imagine what people seeing this for the first time thought when it starts to go. Absolutely, because you know? keep in mind you're seeing this. F- for the first time in in 19 what 68 is that when this came yeah. out so yeah. i mean what what else there was nothing in mainstream cinema that had been like that you know what i mean no i mean that's just uh that you know I mean, the- psycho right like that's probably as close as you're gonna get to that style of 
Yeah, that yeah, I true, but uh but even then that's that's still grounded in reality. It's like there are sure, killers sure. out there. Like just real quick cuz we like to do this uh, on these movies we've been doing, highest grossing films of 1968. So these these are the movies that you'd be seeing at the same time as Rosemary's Baby. The Green Berets, John Wayne's Vietnam <laughs> War movie, the only Hollywood movie made about Vietnam during Vietnam, in case you were curious. Oh. Uh The Lion in Winter. Yours, mine, and ours. Uh, Romeo and Juliet coming in at tied for number six. Rosemary's Baby and Planet of the Apes. Uh, number five, Oliver Bullet. Oh, so good. Number three is The Odd Couple. Number two is 2001: A Space Odyssey. And number one is Funny Girl. So, I, I mean, mean, those are some. Those are some. That's a masterclass. Yeah, and and then also you got to figure Mia Farrow is best known for being on a a, a soap opera called Peyton Place. So, um, so like you go into this movie thinking you're getting oh that's the that's the girl that married Frank Sinatra and she's on that Peyton Place we like. <laughs> yeah, so much. she was just yeah a soap opera <laughs> actress. She was Mrs. Frank Sinatra before this, and this really put her on the map. And it's it's tough to read about. It's almost I almost felt for her like I felt for Rosemary because she was trying to get out from under that stigma of just being Mrs. Frank Sinatra. Right. And then, you know, she takes the role and people are saying you're sure to get an Oscar nomination for this uh, and and and, pos- and probably win the Oscar. And then she doesn't even get nominated. How is that possible? Well, I'll tell you what. I have a theory. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but uh, Frank Sinatra told her not to do oh. this movie. And she decided to go ahead and do this movie while their marriage was failing. Frank Sinatra sends her divorce papers like to the set, like while she's working <laughs> on the movie. And then all of a sudden she doesn't even get nominated. I'm thinking Frank Sinatra pulled some strings, but that's just a conspiracy. Or, or Frank Sinatra's people, because let's be honest, well, the, the story in The Godfather is yeah. Johnny Fontaine is Frank Sinatra. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm just and that, saying. Yeah, like that, that movie is from here to eternity, I believe, is what that's supposed to be. Oh, really? I believe so, because that was his big, I think that was the movie that really looked yeah. like put him back as a you know as okay. a, as a okay. box office so that's just my theory but when you see that she wasn't even nominated you're just like huh but then you see the backstory <laughs> um by the way just uh an aside i watched the godfather again for the first time in a while the other day god that's such a good movie <laughs> which yes. version did you watch um just the like whatever i have on voodoo so it's probably theatrical did you ever, have you ever seen like the coppola blu-ray remaster well, I have the Godfather trilogy on Blu-ray, and I think that's maybe even where I got the digital versions from. I can't remember, but I don't think I've ever seen anything other than like the regular, just theatrical cuts of those movies. It's much darker in mm. like light. Like they, they, I guess his version was much darker as far as not in tone, mm. but like he sucked a lot of the light out of it. Mm. So it's got this weird t- like. Well, color he did. palette to he it. He didn't. Gordon Willis did. But sorry, uh, <laughs> yeah, Gordon Willis, not not not, but, uh, not but, Coppola. Yeah, totally. Uh, it, and I, they had to lighten it when it went to home video because your right. TV screen, you know, it was designed to be seen on a big screen, so it could be darker because it was okay. going to be so much larger. And so they had to right. they had to color correct for that at, at home. And now the the I think the all Blu-ray releases <clears throat> have that darker tint to it. It's always so weird going back and watching people that have been big stars for your entire life, but like to see Robert Duvall so young, like you know Robert Pacino. Duvall. Well, yeah, of course, Pacino just seems like a kid. But like to me, like Robert Duvall is the I like he's the old man, like the wise old man <laughs> role. 
<laughs> so to see him as like a 30 year old is just you know what I a mean? a 30 year old playing a wise old man yeah it's like it's like when i went back and i watched midnight cowboy which is an amazing movie that yeah. i that just completely blanked on but i mean seriously i mean i loved it i think it's incredible but to see john voight like john voight is old man angelina jolie's dad like to see him young is so weird did you ever see easy rider Oh yeah, yeah, I've got that one. Too. I mean, that's uh, who. Uh, what's the bad? Who's the bad? Not the bad guy, but who's the other? Dennis, Dennis Hopper? Hopper. Yeah, yeah. To see Dennis long Hopper, hair, like yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Tom knows all now, about that. Don't even get him started <clears throat> on that crap. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. But, yeah, it's like getting don't. me getting me going. Well, yeah. especially because uh, Easy Rider wouldn't exist without the monkeys. So. I know. That's why. See, I said, don't, that's what I was. I wasn't just saying because you're old. I'm saying because yeah. the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. So. Now we know, like, after this party, all of a sudden, Guy becomes very interested in having a child. Like, like, like point could... where he's got, like, days circled on the calendar, right. and, you know, it's he, like... He's got it he's, all mapped out. He's so focused yeah. on having a child, he's tracking his own ovulation. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and you One can tell, like... Potent. From their discussion, and you can infer that it's like, yeah, we just moved to this place. My career hasn't taken off. Like, you can tell that his position has been like, we're not ready to start a family. And then when she's like, wait a minute, what? You want to have a kid? And he's like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about it. And he's there is that middle. There is that middle B where all of a sudden the guy who got the part all of a sudden goes blind. And they offer oh, yeah. the part to Guy, and then he goes into "Let's have a baby" because they which pulled, is he, which is great because we know you know in retrospect that like this the the cult made that happen, but before right. you know that it makes sense because it's like oh well now he has a more stable he's in on a more stable footing, so it's easier to decide to have a family because now he has this large role in this. Broadway right. production yes. and that's so, the smart writing it, yes it, you you don't really bat an eyelash like you don't even right. like it, it never skips a beat everything about this movie like you said is hidden in plain sight it's great to go back and watch but when you're experiencing it for the first time like I remembered you question it like you know something weird is going on but they constantly set it up to well is she quote unquote yeah. crazy like is she it's hereditary right right yeah. like, yeah. throughout things. all of hereditary you're like am Am I seeing these things yeah, yeah, or yeah. Is, are these things actually happening? That's what makes it great is they keep you guessing. And so that's why, like, I know it's a horror movie, but also, like, w- like I watched this again and I was – Katie doesn't like horror, thriller, suspense, anything like that. But I almost watched it with her and she almost agreed to it because I'm like, but really until – it's just not that weird until the end. So, like – I, you know, it's just not traditionally like you watch this whole movie kind of more questioning things sure. rather than seeing anything. Well, it's there's not... I I wouldn't say it's not so weird to the end. You you have the insemination scene. Well, no, no <laughs> that, there's that one scene yeah. in the middle and then the right. end. But I just mean like horror wise, it's not really like there's just not those constant jump scares or violence right. where, you know, it's but but again and, and then even in that scene, it's. It, it appears as a dream sequence or a nightmare, you know, and so that's where you're still questioning. Like she's questioning. I mean, you right? She wakes up the next day thinking, like, "Oh, I had a bad dream." Well, I mean, no, she's thinking that he had sex with her. He's he, she's thinking that John had sex with her, and she's like, "You couldn't have waited till I was like sober," and he was like, "Uh, no, I needed to do it right now." And she's got these claw marks on her side, uh, and it's a, it's a scene that I feel like. In any sort of documentary where they talk about like the scariest movie, and this is on, this is I think this is listed as one of the scariest movies of all time. Yeah, 
just that scene of like the devil's eyes. I think Entertainment like Weekly her. rated it like the second scariest. I can't. I think in my well, research, I, I remember. Far, but. Well, top, t- but yeah, but, but it's yeah. it's it should be in the tops. I I agree because it's a dream sequel. Like if you don't know what's going on, if you were watching it for the first time, you think it's a really weird dream sequence, and so like it sets up. Mm-hmm. But knowing what's happening, so like the old people send over some pudding, like or a whatever, chocolate mousse, like chocolate mousse. Yeah, and so and even the details, like apparently they're different colors, so guy knows which one to give her. It's a detail that's in the book that, you know, again, plants oh, sure. kept it in the movie. So, um, but she's eating this, and she says it has a weird taste uh, and aftertaste, and, and he's like, no, it doesn't keep eating it, whatever. And then he, you can tell she's sedated, and he brings her to bed, and then he has this quote, she has a quote-unquote dream sequence, but knowing what's happening, it's really creepy, mm-hmm. because it's like she, it looks like, oh, she's going to sailing on a boat, and then it's like, well, let me bring you down below deck, which now we know is like <laughs> going to going hell. D- down to this ritual, yeah. And, and Oh, see, I took it as she was like going to hell. Yeah, I mean, I think you like can going interpret below it. Deck. Right, yeah. you can interpret it that way, but I mean, I think they brought her down to this bed because she goes and lays in a bed, but I mean, she's being raped. Like, knowing that now, when you've seen the movie, it's really uncomfortable, and especially with what Polanski will go on to do, right. I will say, right. it was more disturbing again knowing what's happening in the movie and knowing what he does like it's a very difficult scene to rewatch yeah and it's also it's interesting we talk about the final girls all the time and you know there's always that one character in the slasher flick that is not exactly one step ahead of the serial of the killer but she's smart and she's uh capable this is another like that's hutch no this is kind of her Really? Like she, well, I mean, like she's she's eating this mousse and she's like, I don't like it. Oh, she does get hints, and yeah, she, right? Like, she, and she dumps it out. She's got the friend though, which is another trope of the horror movies. I love like, it. Like yeah, her yeah, friend, the friend that knows everything. Her friend Hutch. <laughs> she's that, P- her Peter Vincent from Fright Night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so he's he comes along the way. Like he he's he warns them about the apartment. That's there. It's been known. There's some weird stuff, and a kid died there, and and they still go ahead and move in. And then he comes over, and and eventually. Um, they give her the same necklace that the girl that killed herself had and he smells it he's like oh what's this and then uh, the husband is over Roman's over there and he's like oh it's Mm -hmm. Tannis root and he's like I've never heard of that I'll have to look into it and he starts you know digging where he shouldn't be or you know and and so he's the one that's kind of figuring things out and trying to advise her like he's like he calls her later when Roman's not there or at least you know calls her on the phone and he's like yeah meet me at this time this place because he's doing his own digging and he knows well also yeah that's they he's at the apartment and like you said he has that interaction with with roman and guy and hutch is like uh i'm gonna bounce i'm gonna get the hell out of (laughs) here so he goes to look for his when he doesn't find his other glove i was like oh hutch i'm gonna you were a good character my friend we're never (laughs) gonna see you again yeah uh because that's so, one yeah. of those when when you know you realize that when and I think again I don't know if it's something that comes from the real life or if it's a movie trope but when there's anything to do with satanic cults they need an object to curse or whatever like they they steal one of your objects and so if right. you know that or that's in the back of your mind and you see things are missing it's bad news bad news bears yeah uh, so she goes to this meeting to meet Hutch and of course Hutch isn't there. So she calls his office and the woman's like, yeah, he took, he, he died. Like he took ill. <laughs> he didn't die, he, but he just took ill. Um, and then they, yeah, right. So we should say 
as we're like at this point, uh, she's pregnant and she's looking awful, like worse and yeah. worse and worse. The she's so Minnie pale. is feeding her these like weed drink, and I weed is in like not the marijuana, but like uh, these drinks that are basically just all of these uh, plants ground up, and she's drinking it because they think it's like you know they tell her that it's uh saperstein says it's okay who's this doctor this ob doctor that all like high society these people from this cult are telling her they're okay like this is who you should go to he delivered so-and-so's baby you'll be great and um so she's drinking all this crap her she's losing weight when she should not be losing weight saperstein's telling her not to take any of like the vitamins that her doctor recommended it's all their right their hand-picked uh homegrown herbs and, and remedies right so she's not uh, getting the, the proper nutrition she's, she's only getting the crap that is good for what they're <laughs> yeah. doing <laughs> right i also took it as um Whatever's growing inside of her is essentially a parasite and sucking the life out of her. Yes, that yeah. which is kind of what a baby does. Well, anyway. Sure, yeah. Like no offense <laughs> to the mothers that are listening, but that's kind of what a baby does. Uh, this one is a different level, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, but so Mia Farrow is, I I feel like this. She's always kind of been this smaller woman in stature fairly thin um big eyes like she's just she's just a smaller woman so when they doubled down on like putting like dark bags under her eyes and making her look even smaller Mm -hmm. like there's there's just something very uncomfortable about looking at her in that state and then um i'm trying to think oh is it when hutch dies and she gets the book and she starts putting it together that she says she wants to have a party with just her friends. Is yes, that right? I think yeah. so. I, I think it's in that order. Yeah, like, but yeah. So and she the, doesn't the, want the doesn't want the old folks to come. No older people. Yeah, she's catching on, like you said. I mean, it, ever since the moose thing and and everything that's going on, she's putting the clues together. Um, Hutch's like last action was to to give his book to his assistant he's like circling things and um when she gets it oh the last thing that she tell his assistant tells uh rosemary is that it's an anagram right yeah right and so she has to figure out she takes the book and she's like is it the title of the book but there's stuff circled inside of it and there's names and so that's where she starts putting together that uh, there's a name circled in there that's like the leader of the satanic cult is Stephen Mercado. And when she gets out her her Scrabble pieces and she puts them together, that's an anagram for Roman Castavet. Right. So she and starts. I, so I thought it was the son. What's that? I thought it was Castavet's Roman son. I thought that. Roman was the son of this guy, but if they're saying that Roman is the leader of it, no, I think he was. He was the son. Like this guy okay, in okay. the book, because it's like an old book. He was the leader, but now, I mean, Roman's an old guy, but he's the leader now. I'm guessing he took over and has been a leader it, since his it. dad died. Right. So they have this party, and this is a the people we talk about. Everyone who is surrounding Rosemary uh, in Rosemary's life are in this cult and have joined this cult. And then she is surrounded by women who were her, who are her friends who are just like, uh, you need to go to the doctor. Like, this is not okay. Like you are not supposed to be losing weight. You're not supposed to be having this much pain. And, uh, they're starting to get through to her and Rosemary is starting to build up some confidence. And she tells John or guy, 
that's it. Like, I'm done with these people. I'm going to see Dr. Hill. And John starts to freak out. Sorry, Guy. John Cassavetes. Guy starts to, like, double down on the asshole husband. Like, you're not going to that doctor. You're going to this doctor. You're doing You're, you're doing what I'm going to tell you to do. You're not going to see these people anymore. Well, because we this know is, that he knows right, what's at stake right. here. If he, I mean, he owes everything in his career and has promised, you know, that, that he will make her do all these things they said take these things see this doctor and eventually have this baby that will figure out what's going on with it and so yeah he's gonna freak out when she starts saying right. yeah I'm, I'm done with them i don't want to see them and i'm gonna go see dr hill and he's like no you know does the whole thing and yeah uh all of a sudden i don't i don't know if it's the gestational period of this demon child or what but all of a sudden this pain that she has been complaining about uh stops and it just goes away and she's she there's can this feel the baby right it was this the point like she wasn't feeling him and then she can feel yeah, him like yes. her, like her pain stops and then she instantly she's like oh i can feel yeah. a move and she even says to guy like oh feel it feel the baby kick yeah. and he's like no i'm good <laughs> no thank you <laughs> uh so yeah so now that they she stopped taking the drinks she won't you know now they're minnie's coming over there with like milk and some weird cake which i'm sure was full of sure. full of yeah. other demon property things. Um, so she goes to Doctor Hill to try to get. Well, help. so she she gets like a book on witchcraft and she's reading. Like everything starts to click for her for mm-hmm. Rosemary that something the the dream that she thought was a dream was not a dream. Uh, so she also appears, and this would be like this is like the modern day equivalent of like believe women right like she also yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, people are like she sounds like a crazy person and we know she isn't she but, does though right like but it like does if sound a person like is going person. around saying witches and the demons and satanic cults like you're gonna be like uh you might need to get some help <laughs> like we yeah, know I mean, what's it's, going on but. it's sim- it's similar to uh the invisible man that just came out right yes. like oh yeah yes. where yeah. she's just like he's invisible and he's out to get me, even though he's dead. And like, even her friend, I'm not like, crazy. Gives her this look of like, um, I did not realize that's why we called this meeting. <laughs> right. It's it's the old it's the old I'm not crazy, but here's this crazy thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, so she does. She goes back to see Doctor Hill, and she explains everything to him. And he's like, uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just let's sit go here. put you in this room. I'll turn on, we'll get you some rest. It'll be great. Can well, I see those books real quick? Well, like, he's he's basically like, yeah, can we go? Do you want to go stay at, you know, this facility? Oh, yeah. He's at Mount Sinai. Yeah. Which I thought was like a rehab facility. And I was like, oh, geez. Like, that's, let's not do to that. To get her help. I, well, is, is that a place for women, like sheltered women, or is it like a rehab no, facility? I, I think thought, it's just, I thought it was a rehab facility. No, I think it's just a really good hospital. Okay. Oh, okay. So he's like, yeah, just wait here. And she like <laughs> yeah. takes a nap on the couch. <laughs> yeah. And she wakes up and it's the old gang here. And he is called uh, Saperstein. And, and yes. uh, he got Guy together and they're coming to... And take. he, I don't, I didn't take this as he was part of the cult, as much no, as like, he, oh, I don't think Doctor Hill is. I think Doctor Hill is like she's, she needs help. And like, yeah, I, gonna, I, that's yeah. how I took it as well. That he, he was not part of the cult, but he ends up inadvertently being an, an enabler because he, <laughs> yeah, right. he trusts authority, right? Like this Abe Saperstein is like a very, very well known and respected 
OBGYN. Right. And like and, even and, Hutch says that, her friend. Yeah. Like, like, Hutch is like, he delivered my grandchildren. So Saperstein is the highest society well known. And so Dr. Hill, even though he's not in the cult, is like, yeah, I, I know Saperstein is this respected guy and he's treating her like she needs his help. Yeah. And just real quick, uh, Founded in 1852, the Mount Sinai Hospital is one of the nation's largest and most respected hospitals acclaimed internationally for excellence in clinical care, ranked among the top hospitals nationwide. This is uh, oh, that's from their own website, though. So take mm. that as you will. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so yeah, so they get her home and this was the best. Ju- like this is this jump scare is on the level of the jump scare in Exorcist 3. Mm hmm. Like where she's got her back to she's she's calling her friend to get her out of like, you know, she's basically saying, get me the flip out of here. And uh, oh, the as phone she's got her, scene? the Yes. As she's got her back to this, the, the hallway, you see like two bodies, two male bodies quickly dart behind her. And it was just it was super effective. Like I was watching it in the dark because I'm that kind of idiot. <laughs> and uh You know, jump scares like that. And there's I don't think there's really like the high pitched clang or music cue that we get now. It was very subtle, but it was very unnerving, Mm -hmm. much like the jump scare in Exorcist 3 where like the gal gets decapitated. Uh, So now this is the moment where she realizes nobody's on her side because Saperstein injects her with uh, like a sedative and uh, guy is right there next to him. Uh, She wakes up. And the baby's gone. Like she's uh, had the baby and she guys sitting there. And there's, there's almost like this moment of, oh my God, it was all a nightmare. Like what the hell? And then she realizes, oh, it wasn't a nightmare there's at all. There's one of the women <laughs> yeah, is, is, is next to her. And she's like, oh, Where is right, it? right, right. Where's the baby. And she's like, she's like, I'll be right it. back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Saperstein tells her, he says that there were complications and, if I was at the, the hospital, dead. like she, he's like, you wouldn't let me go take you to the hospital. So now, right. It's, it's the, he's gaslighting yeah. her. Like there's so much of what we see today happening in this movie that gives this another level of uncomfortability. Sure. Yeah. Because you believe as viewers were like, you're on her side. So when the doctor's like, you wouldn't let me do it. You wouldn't let me do that. You're like, you lying bastard. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> we know what you did. So they keep trying to give her these met these pills, which I assume are sleeping pills, and she uh, stops taking them. She's like sneaking them, you know. She uh, like puts them in like this little uh, hole in her bed frame, like bookcase. And finally, or yeah, finally she gets up. Um, every, well, she they hears, leave her she alone. Hears a baby. She hears the baby crying. That's right. Yeah. Um, she gets up. She goes to that closet, and she realizes that there's a way to get into the other apartment from this closet. And it's like really like, dark, but you see a pinhole of light coming through it. So why did the other woman block it? I just think to have a secret. Why did she block that closet? I, I think it was just like a secret uh, connection to where she, she could go back and forth. But I mean, but she was an old woman. She couldn't move that chest. No, I think that they, they put that probably in front of the wall, but I'm guessing that, I'm guessing that was like a temporary wall put up, but yeah, I think the chest, the bureau, whatever thing was put there maybe by like the, the realtor, the people renting the apartment. Oh, like yeah. they were like hide that this, this access point, which exactly. is why okay. they could tell it had been moved because they hadn't cleaned properly. 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like what? Yeah, so was go- moved by the resident, right? So she goes in, and there is everybody, and the one Asian guy. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why that guy's there. Like, yeah, uh, I think to show was, like the worldwide like. We seen, like the, I, I guess what, that makes sense. Yeah, I, that's how I took it. But the fact that they have him taking the pictures is a bit much. But uh, especially with yeah. the modern eye. But uh, right. But I I I interpreted it the same way that this was their uh way of saying that like this is a this is a worldwide organization Mm -hmm. okay like people are coming from all over the world to be a part of this because they've got their yeah they're transplanted whatever all across the world and um but yeah she sees uh guys there which is of course very disturbing that he's sitting there as she's sedated in bed he's there partying and yucking it up with all these it is it is because if you watch that again guy gets up and like when she walks around the corner he was like oh i gotta go like yeah. he gets up and walks away and like tries to hide his face. And then when like finally she sees him off in like the closet or whatever, she's like, what the what are you doing? So there's been this underlying theme that God is dead. Uh, it was on like the cover of like a Time Life magazine. And this kind of becomes the that's mantra. A, that's a real magazine cover, by the yes. way. Yes. Right. It was yeah. a life or time. And it was that it was, it was time. time. It was. Yeah. Is, OK. Yeah. God is dead or is God dead or something like that. Yeah. And that becomes their mantra at this point where they dealt, they basically tell her like, yeah, that was real. Like the, the person that you had sex with was the devil. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they, it, they flip a switch because the entire movie, they, this, they keep you questioning, like, is she imagining things? Are these people her friends? They're, they're gaslighting her. They're lying to her. We know, but you know, you're just not quite sure. But now that she's done what they need her to do, they're just like, there's no reason to hide it (laughs) yeah it goes crazy like they're all just like yelling things at her and it's nuts i love the my i think one of my favorite parts is where she's like she says something like like oh my god and the one lady's like oh enough of your god stuff (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) exactly looks into the crib she there's like this this bassinet black bassinet with like black lace covering it and she's like go look at your baby and of course she goes over there and she looks at him and She's he's like, what's wrong right. with his eyes? <laughs> his eyes and, you know, I guess they kind of say that he's got cleft, hey, like, he's yeah, got hooves. They, she says, makes a reference to his hands and feet looking weird, and then she's like, yeah. what's wrong like, with look his, at his eyes? They go, look at his hands and look at his feet. And then she's like, oh my God, oh my God, this is the line that Tom's like, for the gal's yeah. like, give it a rest with the oh my God, will you? Yeah. Uh, so she sits down and the baby's, she has a moment where this, the woman who was sitting next to her bed is like, apparently never raised a child before and is rocking the crap (laughs) out of that baby. And Rosemary's like, you're rocking him too hard. And she was like, shut up. Like go sit. She's like this. She's the meanest of them all. Yeah. This woman totally crazy. (laughs) She's just, yeah. So finally Roman Roman comes over. Doesn't he say like, go take care of your baby. Join us. Like you don't have to even be a part of this, but like take care of your baby, do what you're supposed to do. And he kind of says, he's like, she wants him to breastfeed. Yeah. That's what she wants him to do. And she won't do it. And she's like, the other women are too old. Yeah. He, he won't. Cause, like, well, yeah, cause they've, work. they've been stealing her milk. Like, right. You know, right, like right, there's right. that moment where you realize they're stealing her milk, which is yeah. very creepy. And then, um, I don't know if they hand her, but she starts like she the, just walk, the song that is being. Uh, does she walk? She over just to walks the over to the bassinet and it ends. Yeah, like yeah. when she starts humming that song. Like there's a song that's being hummed by the, the lullaby, me, the lullaby in the beginning of the movie that already like that to me already put you in a sense of uncomfortability. Like yeah. just the way it's very soft. It's a and, waltz, I believe. 
Well, it worked. Yeah. Uh, and then she starts humming it again, so you're left to assume that she has joined the cult. Or at least decided to stay and raise her baby. Well, we'll find out in part Oh, yeah, two. you have to find out what <laughs> happened to Rosemary's <laughs> baby. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it ends. This this is a brilliant movie. Yeah, like, they the, despite ar- all of the creative processes and the the creators behind it, this is a brilliant piece of cinema. Yeah, the uh, studio originally wanted there to be an actual like you see a creepy baby and the and they they were you know Polanski was like no we're not going to do that and and boy he made the right call because the reveal on that would never live up to what's in your head. And then the te- nope. the technical limitations of that day, there's a really good chance that it would just end up almost being comical and then undercut everything that came before it. So they were very smart to to not do that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you end it with like a cute baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's what Damien was. Yeah. Damien was like this cute kid and it was like, oh, OK, it's bad. No, I, so, I, I like it. I agree. I think it's great that, you know, better left to the imagination. You're sitting there wondering what this horrific, you know, creature is. And, and then what is Rosemary going to do? Wait, isn't that kind of the premise of the omen? What? That it's isn't everybody. Everybody surrounding Gregory Peck and his wife. Like, yeah, aren't they all. Like, yeah, I mean this uh, this kicked off like a whole rash of like satanic cult movies. So you got Brotherhood of Satan, Mark of the Devil, Black Noon, Blood on Satan's Claw, Omen, of course. Ooh. So you yeah. you got a you got a lot of this after a lot of people started going down this rabbit hole a lot. Before we wrap up, I want to take one moment to talk about the elevator operator in this film. Okay. Um yeah. Uh, so it's a uh, just an interesting little side note. He's uh, played by an actor named Derville Martin, and uh, he's the elevator operator in the building. And he would end up being played by Wesley Snipes. What? In, what? Yes, Wesley Snipes. The, the elevator operator in this film is the character that Wesley Snipes plays in. Dolomite is my name. That that's his claim to fame <laughs> of being a Hollywood actor to get into Dolomite and work on that film was that he had been oh. in a big Hollywood movie and and that that that's this is the person that oh, wow. he is playing. That's hilarious. So I just thought that was too good of a footnote to not point out. Absolutely. That's so great. I yeah, I just, I just wanted to draw everyone's attention to that. So uh so uh coming up on the next one we will tackle the made for TV non classic look what's <laughs> happened to Rosemary's baby. So uh until then let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe you can follow me on the Twitter at Joy Butts B U T T S twenty one. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, check out our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So that's it for this one. Uh, coming up next, look what happened to Rosemary's Baby. Until then, thanks for tuning in, and Abby's sacrifice is approved of by Jesus. <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.